A Jersey by Tillitful. Chapter 4 When they got to her apartment, Hermione rushed towards the kitchen to put the kettle on, and Draco lay scorp on the couch, but he popped back up, seemingly recovered, and ran to the kitchen. Hermione followed him, moving a chair so that he could go through her mug collection again. Draco followed them to the kitchen and watched in awed amusement as his son picked up a mug, gave it an appraising look, and then shook his head as if finding something lacking before he set it back in the cabinet. Finally, he pulled a white mug with gold lettering on it and gently set it on the counter and turned to his dad. That one's yours. Hermione smiled. Excellent job, Scorp. And now down we go, she said, picking up the boy and playfully swinging him to the ground. What does my mug say, then? Malfoy asked his son. Scorpius simply shrugged, genuinely unsure, and ran back into the living room, collapsing on the couch. Hermione grabbed the mug and handed it to Draco before turning to the TV on for Scorp. Draco looked down at the shiny gold letters and let out a shocked bark of laughter as he read the word Gold Digger. When Hermione returned to the kitchen, she asked, Coffee or tea? Malfoy set the mug down. I believe cocoa was on the table. She let out a little laugh. Sweet tooth, then, Malfoy. You could say so. Hermione turned to the stove and quickly got to work, heating some milk. Thank you again for taking such care of Scorp. I saw him having fun with those other children. He's never got to do that before. Teddy's your family, you know. They got on well, too. Yes. Yes, I... He hesitated. I thought about reaching out to Aunt Andromeda many times, but I'm afraid I never followed through. Hermione kept her gaze intent on the stove. She'd like that, you know. If you reached out, or your mum if you didn't feel comfortable. She's been just as scared to reach out, but she needs family now more than ever. Draco perched himself on the counter beside the stove, and ran his hands through his hair once. Twice. I'll let mum know. It might be better for the two of them to talk before I start trying to set up playdates. Bend over for a second. What? Draco asked. Bend over. Hermione said as she placed a hand on his back and pushed him forward, using her free hand to grab cocoa powder and sugar from the cabinet he sat in front of. When she'd set it down, she gave him a tap on the back. You can sit up now. And it's Harry you'll have to talk to about playdates, not Andromeda. He's Teddy's guardian. Draco couldn't believe Granger. Hermione Granger had just pushed him down. It took him a moment to register what she'd said. Ah, I had heard he'd taken charge of a child. I hadn't I hadn't realised it was an Infidora's child, although I suppose I should have puzzled that out. She preferred Tonts. Hmm? She didn't like the name Nymphadora. Hated it, in fact. And she preferred Tonks, even after she got married. She hadn't said it to be mean, but in that moment, Draco felt the weight of guilt on his shoulders. The guilt of having never known a part of his family, of never reaching out to his cousin and knowing he no longer had that option. She interrupted his sad thoughts when she pushed a hot mug into his hand. She grabbed his other hand and placed it to cradle the mug, a hand lingering on his in comforting gesture. She'd be happy, you know, and that Teddy and Scorpius would have had the chance to grow up together in the way you guys couldn't. Draco nodded, the lump in his throat only growing. Hermione smiled and turned to poor Scorpius, and herself some cocoa as well. Hermione cast a mild cooling charm on Scorpius's cocoa to keep it warm but not hot. She settled onto the couch and carefully 
gave Scorpius his mug. Scorp set his hand on Hermione's arm in that slightly stiff manner that kids did when they were intentionally trying to mimic signs of affection that they had observed. Hermione chatted to him about whatever she'd put on the telly for him, sipping her own drink as he jabbered away. Draco's heart ached. Scorpius had always been a shy child, and he was naturally weary of women. He didn't have much memory of Astoria, at least Draco didn't think he did, but he clearly knew his mum had been there one day and had gone the next. When Scorp had started interacting with the children of Draco's friends, he started asking questions. Why did he not have a mum? Merlin, when he'd first asked that, Draco had wished Astoria had died. It was an awful thought to have about another human being, but it would have been so much easier than having to tell his son that his mother had left them to romp around the world with some gent she'd met, some mindless social function. Anyway, Scorp didn't like women. Unless the woman was his nana. He didn't trust them. He was even wary of Pansy and Daphne, afraid that they'd leave his friends like Astoria had left them. But he liked Granger. They needed to leave. Draco had to take his son before he could get too attached. Granger and he weren't friends. Not really. But how could he drag his son away from this moment? Wasn't it good that he was getting over his dislike for women? He could allow his son this one day. He moved to sit with them. He was fascinated by the telly after all. He sat with Scorpius between he and Granger. Best he not get too close to her, given his new and confused attraction to her. No, it was better to use his son as a human shield from a woman so much better than him that simple physical attraction was all he could allow. What a coward he was. What a way to come down from the high of a win. When Scorp started to droop into Hermione's side, Draco knew he was nearly in the clear. He was almost asleep, and when he was asleep, it would be easy to make their excuses and leave. Then Hermione started to chat with him her voice soft so not to stop his son's fast track to sleep. What do you think of it, then? Draco scrunched up his nose. She had changed the celly back to some sing-song play. I don't understand why she's so enamoured with her neighbour. She doesn't even know him. Hermione scoffed. It's a musical that was made in the 1940s, about the early 1900s. If only for someone you know next to nothing was about considered romantic... After all, the only way to find out more was to speak to them. Scandalous. She laughed quietly at her own joke, and he couldn't help but chuckle along with her. Scorpius was limp against her now. Draco could pick him up and leave. He should pick him up and leave. What good does dragging the moment out do? Just pick him up, thank Granger again, and then go. Easy. Money started humming along to whatever silly song was playing in the film. Draco supposed he could stay for a bit longer. His muscles were taut from the game. He could do with a moment of relaxation. He just closed his eyes and listened to the telly for a few minutes more. When Hermione realised she had not one, but two. Two! Malfoy's asleep in her apartment. She wasn't entirely sure what to do. Who was she kidding? She wasn't at all sure what to do. What could she do? If she moved, Scorpius would fall against the couch, and his father against him. But if she didn't move, who knew how long they'd stay as they were? She didn't mind, per se, but still, she should wake them. Or Draco, at least. He looked like a completely different man when he was asleep, his muscles relaxed, like he'd never fought in a war. Hermione wondered if she ever looked like that. 
She couldn't imagine. She grabbed the remote and turned the volume down. What could it hurt to let them rest? She wrapped her arms around Scorpius as best she could and cuddled up. There were a couple of hours until what she'd imagined would be Scorpius's dinner time. She could let them rest on her couch until then. Well, she'd intended to wake them up at five so they could head home for dinner, but one movie had turned into another, and she'd gotten well and truly distracted. It was only when Scorpius started to stir, stretching up and pushing at his father and Hermione, that she realised how late it had gotten. She twisted as best she could to look out her nearest window, noting with some shock how dark it was outside. A grown Malfoy started stirring next, and Hermione had a moment of panic. What should she say? How could she explain why she'd let them sleep so long? She ran a hand over her hair, trying to flatten what wasn't really must to begin with. Draco's hair, however, was standing up straight where he'd laid it against the top of his son's head. He looked around, clearly confused, his gaze finally setting on Hermione. He rubbed the sleep from his eyes with his fists like a child. Granger, what time is it? She grabbed her wand from the table and cast a quick tempest. Seven fourteen shimmered in the air before them. I'm sorry, Malfoy, I really meant to wake you earlier. One of the less savoury aspects of the telly is they can be very distracting. Soon Scorp was sitting up and rubbing his eyes too. He looked just as confused as his father, proof of genetic inheritance at work. Scorpius moved from his father's side and cuddled into Hermione's, closing his eyes and going back to sleep. Draco sighed. Scorpius was a shy child, and he didn't take to people well. It was worrisome how much he'd come to like Granger. He hadn't expected it, and he can't rightly say he was happy with it. How could he explain to his son that this was a one-time deal? Next game, it was back to Nana's. Hermione was still staring at him, worrying her bottom lip and absent-mindedly rubbing Scorpius's back. Draco shook the thoughts out of his head. Sorry, Granger. Normally I'm home by the time the adrenaline of a good game wears off. It's fine, really. I should get him all tucked in. Draco reached for his son and Hermione stood, picking Scorp up and passing him over. Hermione had to gently pry the boy's fingers away from her shirt. When he was in his father's arms, she smoothed his hair back from his face and couldn't help but smile at how much he looked like Draco in his first years at Hogwarts, except there was no tenseness to his face, no anger or expectation. Sweet and innocent, and hair slightly too slicked back. Let me know if you ever need someone to watch him again, she said, not taking her eyes from the boy's sleeping face. We didn't get too much reading together. I'm sure we could do with another match or two before he's sick of me. Draco couldn't imagine someone growing sick of her. Her confidence and her know-it-allness. He'd always depended upon it with a consistency in his school days. You might regret that offer, Granger. At that, she did raise her gaze to meet his. I very rarely make poor choices. Draco. Chapter 5 Do you think your boobs should have names? Ginny, I'm trying to work. I'm just saying, aren't they a bit enough of a part of your body that should have their own names? Does it matter? Not really, but, like, would you name yours? Mine have names. Money said, pulling an old manuscript in a clamshell box from a shelf and placing it on her cart as if nothing were abnormal. Really? What? 
Hermione smirked to hide her embarrassment. Flourish and blots. Oh, brilliant, Ginny breathed in awe. What should mine be? Ginny, I am at work. This is not professional. Honey and Jukes? Oh, no, Honey Jukes is one word. You need something with two words, Hermione said, grabbing another manuscript with both hands and carefully setting it on her cart before marking it off from her pool list. Well, what well-known pairs are there? Hermione repressed a giggle. Ron and Harry? Ginny snatched a book from Hermione's cart and acted as if she'd thrown it. Gross and unfunny. Sorry. Sorry. Put Molly's diaries down, please. Ginny pouted a moment longer before gently lowering the volume back to Hermione's cart. What's brought on your sudden interest in breast names, anyway? Helga brought it up during practice the other day. She said if men name their willies, we can name our breasts. Can we please talk about anything that would require some semblance of critical thinking or discussion? Please? Ginny scoffed. Fine. How about we talk about the front page of the Witch Weekly, or the Daily Prophet? Maybe Quidditch quibbles? How about Quaffle and Bludger, then? Hermione said, quickly casting her gaze back to her pool list. Ha ha, you sneak. You had an excellent one the whole bloody time, didn't you? Hermione started pushing her cart back to her desk, attempting to ignore Ginny's tactic. It seemed to be working, too, until she settled into her desk. Ginny plopped onto the seat across from her, stealing a candy from her desk and asking, So, on to our other topic, I suppose? We knew it was going to happen, Ginny. I think you play stepmom very nicely. Hermione stopped what she was doing and looked straight into Ginny's eyes. That is not funny, Geneva. You should never mock the relationship between a mother and her child. Ginny felt her cheeks burn with shame. I'm sorry, Hermione. I didn't think. I know, Hermione said. Listen, can we please not do this now? I have work. Ginny nodded. She stood up and grabbed her bag from the coat rack. Hermione, just so you know, she said. I really do think you and Minnie Malfoy seem to have bonded. I wasn't trying to... I mean, I... Hermione's expression softened. I know, Ginny. I'll see you later. Ginny nodded and left. Hermione managed to hold her tears in a full five minutes before she started quietly bawling her eyes out. So many years since the war, since reversing her parents' memories, and her mother still hadn't forgiven her. Her father had, of course. He and Hermione had always been two birds of a feather. But her mother had been enraged. Even now, whenever Hermione went to visit, her mother would invent an errand that had her out of the house for the duration of her time there. She had known that the papers would have a riot, but she hadn't expected the types of articles they'd wrote. She'd expected romance speculation or hit pieces about associating with the wrong sorts. Hell, she'd even expected a secret love child paper. She'd been the subject of papers more than enough to know the sordid lows they'd stooped to. But she hadn't expected this. They were painting it as genuine. A love story. Never too late, one headline had boasted. She and Draco weren't even old. None of it really bothered her, except the articles and photos centred on her and Scorpius. God, it was so unfair. She couldn't believe that there were people who could treat a maternal bond as something to pull out of the cheap gossip. The only saving grace was that Scorpius wasn't old enough to read newspaper articles without assistance, 
and no reasonable adult would think to read such nonsense to a child. When she thought of it like that, there was really no need to be upset. She knew it would blow over. It always blows over. Still. Hermione had burned the first article she'd been insinuated that she and Scorpius were clearly attached. And then she had to go out and purchase another copy to add to the British National Library of Magic and Mysticism. There are very few times she disliked her position as an archivist and lead reference librarian, but that had been one of them, undoubtedly. As she wrote out whole notices to send via Owl, she wondered if Malfoy would take her upon her offer to watch Scorpius. If he did, she could bring out her bomb box and show him her CDs, or her new MP3 player if she were feeling nice. One of the articles she'd hate-read that morning had mentioned the cannons were playing the following week. He'd probably have to ask her soon if he wanted her to watch Scorp, but he probably wouldn't feel comfortable asking her so soon after she last watched him. Should she reach out and let him know that she was really genuine in her offer? The nib of her quill broke, and ink spattered several of her notices. She'd pressed down too hard. Bollocks! She quickly separated the good notices from the ruined, cleaned her desk and started again. These needed to be out by noon, so any researchers could access their manuscripts in the afternoon. She had to focus. Besides, hadn't Malfoy said he normally had options when it came to watching Scorp? He had plenty of people he'd go to before her. There was no way he'd message her. Still, it couldn't hurt to leave her outing bag as packed with a couple of copies of Hera the Hippogriff as possible. She sent her notices. She couldn't see the harm in downloading some song from On Moonlight Bay to her Zoom, just in case she had the opportunity to show him. As soon as Draco stepped through the flue, he knew that he'd not get to the practice on time. His mother sat perched on a chair in front of the family-only fireplace. She didn't look up when he entered with Scorp on his hip. Instead, she pretended to continue reading a copy of Witch Weekly. Utter trash. Daddy, look! Me and Hermione! Scorpius pointed to the cover of the magazine. A photo of Hermione splitting a sugar quill and handing Scorp the larger half moved in slow motion. Scorpius wriggled out of his father's grasp and ran towards Narcissa, snatching the magazine from hands and beaming down at the picture. Scorpius, we do not grab things out of people's hands, Draco said. Scorpius's face started to turn red, and Draco could sense the rare tantrum mounting. It's me and miney! It's mine! Mine! He stomped his feet. That doesn't mean you can just rip something out of someone's hands. It's not nice. You have to ask Nana if you can see the magazine. Draco saw something flash in Scorpius's eyes. It was a defensive stare, but he'd never directed it at Draco before. Just as Draco was about to say something, Scorpius ripped the cover from the magazine, threw the rest of the pages to the ground and ran out of the room. Draco was shocked. His tantrums usually came when he was being forced to interact with others. Not with him. Draco moved to go after his son, but his mother stopped him. The elves are always keeping an eye on him. Let him cool off. He's growing up, after all. You must learn that he sometimes needs to look at his emotions himself. Now come. Explain all this gossip to me, then. He hesitated a moment before nodding and following her to the sitting room. They sat in silence as an elf poured their tea. The awkwardness was only prolonged by the quiet clanking of silverware on china as prepared their tea to their liking. 
After taking a sip of her tea and deeming it up to snuff, Narcissa broke the silence. Scorpius seems very attached to Miss Granger, if this morning's events are anything to go by. So it seems, Draco said, sensing the oncoming interrogation. How long have you known each other, then? Why, since we were children, Mother. Don't tell me you've forgotten we were classmates at Hogwarts. Don't try to be smart with me, Draco. It's undignified. How long have you been reacquainted? It must have been going on for quite some time for Scorpius to have grown so... enamoured with her. Why didn't you tell me? Ah, there it was. His mother's true concern, being left out of the loop. He couldn't blame her. Information had been her only lifeline on more than one occasion. I met up with her like a week ago to help with, with a problem she was having, and she agreed to watch Scorp for the game in return. Narcissa gave him a disbelieving look. One raised eyebrow. Oh, mother, I swear. Ask Scorp how long he's known her. Whenever he comes round again, that is. Narcissa scoffed. Easily done. A twinkle? The house elf popped up beside their table. Yes, mistress? Would you tell Scorpius there are breakfast sweets on the table whenever he'd like to join us? The elf looked briefly at the spread of sweets and smiled. Oh, the little mister will be happy to have cinnamon rolls. I will go now. After several minutes of silent tea-sipping, the door to the sitting-room creeped open, slowly. It was silent, of course, but the adults had their senses sharpened against the whetstone of war and noticed it immediately. They didn't acknowledge it, though. They simply let the boy slowly walk over to them and pull himself into a chair beside his father. Without saying anything, he slowly reached for a cinnamon roll and placed it on his plate. When no one said anything, he reached for a second. Still, silence. It was only when he pressed in for a third that his father asked him to politely for the tongs so he could grab himself a scone. Scorpius, lovely, Narcissa said, while the young boy had a mouthful of pastry. Your father and I were talking about your friend from that cover, and I was wondering how you and she have known each other. How long? When Scorpius had finished his rather large bite, he answered his nana. Me and Miney watched a game with her friends while Daddy played. I like Miney. She let me pick out a mug when we had tea. Then Scorpius turned to his father. When can we go see Miney? I miss her. You saw her just two days ago, Scorpius. You can't miss her that terribly. Scorpius took a big bite of his cinnamon roll and chewed with his mouth open just to make his dad and Nana mad. Why didn't his dad understand? Miney was his friend and he wanted to see her. He bet she liked cinnamon rolls. He eyed the second roll he'd set out on his plate and slowly placed it on top of his napkin, scrunching up the top to close it as best he could. And what are you doing, Score? I think Miney would like a cinnamon roll, so she can have my other one. Draco Narcissa shared a look. He'd give up a second treat. Pal, you don't even know if Grange... Hermione likes cinnamon rolls, Draco said setting aside his food in favour of observing his son. She does. And did you tell you that, dear? Narcissa asked, punctuating her question with a sip of tea. No, but she would. She likes sugar quills and I like sugar quills, and she likes chips and I like chips. His matter-of-fact tone brokered no argument. Draco tried to reason with him, 
His attachment to Granger was making him nervous. Almost as nervous as when she'd called him Draco just a couple of nights ago. Wouldn't you rather have that cinnamon roll for yourself? Scorpius looked longingly at the little bundle he'd made, then shook his head no. Draco sighed and returned to his own plate, trying to think of ways to dissuade his son. Narcissa could not believe her eyes, or ears for that matter. Scorpius had never been an open child. What irony that he should attach to the one woman their family had most wronged. Well, Narcissa would not let the child be denied that affection. Not like she'd let Draco be denied. Scorpius, dear, eat your cinnamon roll. I'll have the elves pack up some cinnamon rolls for you to bring to your friend when you go visit her. Mother? Now, now, Draco. It is polite to extend a thank you or day or two after, as a favour has been done, Narcissa said. Draco looked at his son, who had just unwrapped his second cinnamon roll, and was making quick and happy work of it. Granger had said she could watch him again. Maybe, then, it would be all right for a quick stop by, a way to really impress his gratitude for watching them. Anyway, he knew he couldn't deny his son. Chapter 6 What Hermione had not expected on a Monday evening was Malfoy. Malfoy's, actually. Miney! Scorpio shouted, pushing away from his father's side and launching himself into Hermione's arms. I bought you a cinnamon rolls. Do you like cinnamon rolls? I bet you do. Hermione's eyes darted back and forth between the child and his apologetic-looking father. Quickly, she calmed herself and squatted to come face to face with Scorpius. I do like cinnamon rolls, Scorp. Thank you. You're such a good friend. Shall we head in? Scorpius nodded and rushed inside, grabbing her hand to pull her with him. She turned back towards Draco and motioned for him to follow. Draco stepped into Hermione's flat for the second time of his life. He followed like a hanger-on, setting the cinnamon rolls on the centre of the dining table, and his son had dragged Granger to. Scorpius had dragged two chairs together, so that he was sitting hip to hip with her. Hermione made a big show of reaching for one of the rolls, exaggerating her excitement for the little boy. When she took a bite of the treat, however, her enthusiasm transformed into something very real. She moaned a bit at the pure genius that was that pastry, and realised she had not had a sweet in quite some time. Draco sat up straight as a rod, trying not to stare on her happy face, or the way she sucked on her fingertips to get every last bit of cinnamon sugar. Draco was suddenly very aware of just how long it had been since he'd been with a woman. A year or so after the divorce, he tried to date. After many awkward dates and some casual sex, Draco decided it was a waste of time. He'd rather spend the time he had in the off-season with his son. His hand had gotten him through puberty, and it had worked just as well for the past few years, not as good as sex, but that was to be expected. He hadn't had any trouble controlling himself. He shifted slightly in his seat, crossing his legs. At least not until now. Noticing his stare, Hermione wiped her fingers on a napkin and gasped. Where are my manners? Would you both like some tea? And tea would be lovely, thank you, Draco said quickly. Tea, Scorpius said, hopping up to help her. Hermione was thankful of the distraction. She'd expected an owl if he needed her to watch Scorp again. Instead, they'd shown up at her door on a day when she'd opted for loungewear and had only bothered to throw half of her hair up. She tried to tuck a few stray pieces behind her ears, despite knowing they wouldn't stay. She helped Scorpius fill the kettle with water and let him toss the tea bags into the pot, counting each one together out loud. 
Once she made the mistake of glancing over her shoulder and saw Draco staring at her. It wouldn't have been so unsettling if one of them had just bothered to look away quickly. Instead, they stared at one another until Scorpius demanded Hermione's attention. Rather than pull up a chair for Scorp to stand on, she picked him up and set him on the counter, standing behind him and holding his waist to make sure she, he wouldn't fall, as he selected the same mugs they'd used before. Hermione pretended she didn't feel Draco's gaze on her, as she bent over to set Scorpius back on the ground. She couldn't help but wonder what the hell was happening. Scorpius, why don't you go and place the mugs on the table, then I'll bring the pot over, Hermione said. The little boy took one of the mugs in both hands, slowly walking over to the table and setting it down before rushing back for the second, and then the third. Hermione slipped a cosy over the teapot before pouring the water and bringing it over to the table. She grabbed three plates and one in front of her of each of their chairs. That way we can all snack. Scorpius shot a sharp look at his father, his lips sealed tight. He wasn't going to argue with another cinnamon roll, that much was clear. His father, however, was warring between saying no and keeping his son from eating too many sweets, or saying yes as would be polite. How about we split one, Scorp? I don't want your tummy hurting since you've already ate some McNanas. Draco said, vowing to himself that night would veggie night for dinner. Scorpius nodded. His dad letting him have even more sweets? Money's flat was the best. He sat, kicking his legs happily as his father split their pastry, and Money prepared his tea for him just how his dad always did it. A little tea, lots of milk, no sugar. After her guests both had their tea and snack, Hermione served herself. After another glorious bite of cinnamon, Hermione turned to Draco. What brings the two of you here, then? It was Scorpius that answered. Nana says it's polite to say thank you again since you watched me at Dad's game. Are you going to watch me at the next week game? Do you like Quidditch? I don't, but I like the cannons. Will Teddy and Victoire be there? I like them. He stopped abruptly and took a big bite of his pastry. Scorpius, Nana is watching you at the next game. Why can't Nana and Miney both watch me? Hermione tried to control her expression at the idea of sitting at a recreational function with Narcissa Malfoy. They only tended to rub elbows at charity events when the two had the common interest of raising money for some cause or another. Rather than say something wrong, she simply took a sip of her tea and pretended she wasn't listening. Best not to interfere with a parent having a discussion with his child. Because I only set aside two personal tickets for this game. One for you, and one for Nana. But I want to see Teddy and Victoire. Well, Hermione felt comfortable stepping in here because she and Draco had briefly discussed setting up time for Teddy and Scorpius to play together. I can talk to your dad and Teddy's goddad about setting up time for the two of you to play together. I'm sure I can reach out to Victoire's parents as well. Can we come here to play? I want to watch more movies. Draco couldn't believe his son was being so forward. Scorpius, you cannot invite yourself over to other people's homes. Scorpius turned to his father. Why? Because it's impolite. Why? Because what if that person doesn't want you to come over? Scorpius whipped his head back around and asked Hermione, You don't want me to hear? His expression had fallen and Hermione thought he might cry. She reached out and touched his cheek. Oh, of course you're always welcome here. Don't you fret. Then she turned to Draco. He's really always welcome. 
don't be upset with him. Scorpius threw himself into Hermione's arms, and they shared a big hug. Scorpius moved his head onto Hermione's shoulder and stuck out his tongue at his dad. Shows him what's what. Hermione wants him around. Draco couldn't believe it. Spoilt. His son was spoilt. And it wasn't by him or his nan. It was by Hermione Granger. One Quidditch game and Scorpius had Granger wrapped around his little finger. Draco had a moment of misplaced pride. His son may not have been raised to be an elitist like the generations before him, but he was still a charmer. However, what Draco couldn't figure out was why his son was attached to her. There weren't many people Scorpius really liked to be around. Sure, he'd be polite to Draco's friends and even have fun with them once in a while, but he never asked to see them. He never went out of his way to ask them if he could visit. It worried Draco. Seeing how weak Granger was against his son helped ease a bit of his worry. She was clearly enamoured with him, and she wouldn't be quick to disappoint him. Draco balked a bit at how quickly he and his son were quickly becoming intertwined in Granger's life. When Granger and Scorpius stopped hugging, Draco nodded a bit to acknowledge what she'd said. Hermione smiled and blushed a bit when she made eye contact with Draco. If she'd have been alone, she might have to give herself a little slap. She blamed Ginny for making her aware of Draco. She was the one, after all, who had so rightly pointed out Draco's physical appeal. Hermione had thought he was attractive in and out of his Quidditch orange, but his casual look was equally good in a completely different way. He looked kind of dorky, to be completely honest. It was a more refined version of the posh weekend clothes she'd seen at Hogwarts, the kind she found obnoxious and posh and that would have totally been her type had it not been for the smarmy ass who filled it out. Sitting at her small table, their knees were almost touching, and she could smell the scent of him. Cologne? Body wash? She took a sip of her tea and forced her thoughts towards less confusing subjects. Well, Scorpius, there are plenty of cool movies that are made for kids your age, and I think you'll really like. Teddy really likes Spy Kids, so I bet we could watch that. What's it about? Scorpius asked. Well, it's about kids who come from a family of spies. Cool, breathed Scorpius in awe. Is there any singing like in the last one? Malfoy asked. He was leaning towards her, and Hermione felt a blush heating her skin again. Not like the last one, no, but... Oh, I do have something I think you'll like, Draco. Just wait a moment. She ran to her bedroom and grabbed her zoon and headphones from her nightstand. She checked its charge before rushing back to the kitchen, holding it victoriously over her head as if it were a prize. She placed the headphones on Scorpius's head first and played a song from the musical they'd watched the first time they'd met. Scorpius's eyes went wide, and he stared at Hermione's face as the song played. When it finished, he took the headphones off, and stared at them for a moment before looking at his dad. Dad! Dad! You have to! It's awesome! Hermione laughed and took the headphones from Scorpius, turning to face Draco. She tried to put on her bossy face. I really do think you'll like this, Hermione said, moving towards Draco and situating the headphones over his ears. Draco held his breath at her closeness. His first thought was naturally one of attraction, the urge to kiss her or hold her or simply take her for a meal. But then her hand brushed some of his hair away from his face to place some contraption more comfortably on his head, and all he felt was tenderness. Was it friendship? Or was it forgiveness? I'm dreaming dreams, 
I'm scheming schemes. I'm building castles high. Draco raised his hands to the contraptions over his ears and stared at Hermione much in the way his son had. Slowly, he closed his eyes and let the music flow directly into his ears. Hermione noticed his lips parted slightly as the music washed over him. She was finding many things out about Draco Malfoy that she had not expected. She was finding she really enjoyed what she was seeing. Shit. Scorpius pulled on her arm and asked if they could watch the telly again, and Hermione happily left Draco to enjoy the music before she let herself get carried away. Chapter 7 If you'd have asked Harry Potter what he'd be spending his bi-weekly Thursday off on, he'd probably tell you it was a family day, and time to spend running around with Teddy or panic-reading the parenting book, or trying to figure out how, if Luna would marry him, if he could get up the courage to ask. He certainly wouldn't have said, in his backyard on a playdate with Draco Malfoy. But there he was, eh? When Hermione had suggested that Scorpius and Teddy get together for some playtime, Harry had immediately agreed. Teddy rarely got to hang out with kids beside the Weasleys, and he seemed really excited to have a new friend. What Harry hadn't considered was that he would then have to make a small talk with Malfoy. If the men had been smart, they'd have discussed leaving one of the boys with the other and scheduling a designated pickup time. But they'd not done that. Instead, they sat on Harry's back bench with some butterbeer and watched as the two boys chase one another on their training brooms. Eventually, Harry just couldn't take it anymore. He was a chatterer. Man, I wish I'd had one of those as a kid. Draco wasn't quite sure how to respond to that. He couldn't exactly rub it in the face that he'd had one since he'd learned to crawl. Teddy looks to be an excellent flyer already. I'm surprised Scorpius was even willing to get on the broom, to be honest. He's not a fan of flying. At that, Harry's lip quirked up into a little smile. Well, Malfoy, a good friend can get you into all sorts of scrapes. Ha! Huh. Malfoy couldn't contain his puff of amusement. And I'm sure an even better one can get you out of them. Harry couldn't help the hearty laugh that welled up from within him. Yes, I'm sure Hermione'd agree. He paused for a moment. But I'm sure you know all about that. Pardon? Oh, Merlin. Well, you two seem to have become good friends, for her to help you out on a tough day. Harry hesitated for a moment and then added, And Luna and I definitely look out for Scorp in a pinch too, since him and Teddy seem to get on so well. Draco tried to ignore the insinuation that he and Granger were anything more than accidental, prolonged acquaintances. I appreciate it, Potter. I suppose I'll have to extend that to you as well, especially if the newspapers have it right about Lovegood. At that, Harry got a goofy grin on his face. If you hang around for a couple of hours, you can see for yourself. No hiding it, not that we'd want to. Draco couldn't help but smile at the man's enthusiasm. He'd been just as ecstatic himself, so much so he didn't see Astoria growing bitterness at her situation. She'd never told him she didn't want children. In fact, she'd always waxed poetic about what it'd be like when they had children. That had been when they were courting, though, and Draco now recognised it for what it was, an attempt to ensure he wouldn't oppose their parents' plans for their nuptials. And it worked. He believed her, believed they could try and be less fucked-up versions of their parents. Well, that hadn't happened. But he had Scorpius. That was priceless. Draco gazed at his son for a moment in adoration as he fell from his broom and gently floated to the ground before getting up and hopping right back on. 
As he stared at his son, he realised Potter was still talking. Rambling, in fact. He supposed he should try and pay attention. And I just worry because the Discworth book said one thing about potty training, about the Altenberg says, but another... Both books say if you choose the wrong one, your child will probably grow up to resent you, and I... Potter, shut up, Draco said, cutting the blabbering man off. Harry looked confused, as if he hadn't been slapped out of a daze. Pardon? Potter, you have to live through the sleepless nights and teething and blow out nappies and nearly crawling off the second floor balcony before you get to think about potty training. Harry paled. What is a blowout nappy? Draco smirked. You know, Potter, I may be able to be civil to you if it means I can see your face when you encounter your first blowout. Harry opened his mouth to needle him back, but Hermione crashed into a seat beside them, sighing in exhaustion. Luna asked her along to help pick out a thing for the baby, and it had been truly a trying experience. Harry opened a butterbeer and slid it towards her, recognising the telltale signs of frustration in his friend. Hermione took a swig, thankful that someone had finally decided to turn alcoholic butterbeer into a mass corporation. Luna's inside putting her purchases away, Hermione said with a roll of her eyes. Good trip, then, Harry asked. Harry, I don't know how to break this to you lightly. Your child is going to sleep on a beanbag. Harry rolled his eyes. Ha ha, very funny. What's a beanbag? And why is the Potter Lovegood infant going to be sleeping on it, rather than in a crib? As is, and has been the paediatric standard for, oh, decades? I'm not laughing, Harry. Hermione said before turning to Draco. And it's exactly as it sounds. A big bag filled with beans made from foam. Well, that's not at all how it sounded, Draco said with a scoff before lifting his butterbeer to his mouth. Without thinking, Hermione lifted her hand to tip his drink back further. When he started coughing up his drink, she turned to Harry. She wanted to go to Muggle London. I said, OK. There's plenty of baby shops there, I'm sure, so I figured we'd walk around until we spotted one, yeah? Oh, Hermione, no. So we were walking around, yeah? And I had planned to hit the baby shops in Diagon, not London, so we were running blind. Anyway, there's a shop that just absolutely exuded incense. Please say psych. Please, Hermione. Harry was pleading. Well, naturally, Luna caught the scent. Naturally, said Draco finally catching his break after nearly drowning. So he ended up going in and, well, Harry, you shouldn't have expected anything else. Harry huffed. I sent her with you because I was sure you'd have more solid plan. Well, I'm sorry baby shopping isn't at the top of my expertise, Harold James Potter. Perhaps you should have gone with... After a prolonged and tense moment of silence, Draco spoke very slowly. Wait. Your name's Harold. Harry and Hermione both huffed in amusement. No, Harry said. That's just what she calls me when she's mad. But seriously, Harry, you've got to start getting stuff ready. I know you and Luna are a bit more freewheeling, but she looks like she could pop at any second. And you've not even acquired a crib. Draco took a deep breath, trying to convince himself to keep his mouth shut. However, he wasn't one to let a child go without and Potter had been remarkably tolerable for the brief afternoon they'd spent quietly watching their children fly amuck like the little bats out of hell. 
He cleared his throat and tried to prepare himself for the repercussions that would certainly follow. You know, Potter, I've got a crib in storage. A couple, to be honest. I was so nervous in the last few months before Scorp was born, and I bought pretty much every expensive crib I could find. And putting them together by hand helped distract me, you know? You're free to take one. Honestly, you'd be doing me a favour getting it out of my storage. I've some other bits and bobs that Scorp has outgrown too, if you really need it. Well, anyways. He ended his diatribe with a little cough before turning his head to take a sip of his beer. Another silence descended upon the group, but this one was less tense and held the weight of change in the air. Hermione looked at Draco with a little smile on her face. How far they'd all come since the war. Since long before it, too. Here was Draco Malfoy, poster child for a spoilt brat, sharing with Harry Potter, no less. He looked almost bashful, and Hermione reached out and gave his hand a squeeze, smiling when he looked at her, startled. Harry was trying to keep himself from crying. He was not going to cry in front of Malfoy for being a little bit more than halfway decent. Except he kind of was. Thanks, mate, he said, pushing his glasses onto his head to rub his eyes. Draco kind of wanted to die. He may not hate Potter with the burning embitterment that childish rivalries imbued, but the jump from enemy to vague acquaintance to mate in an afternoon was a bit much for him. He almost retracted his offer. Almost. Miney! Scorpius shouted, jumping off his broom and sprinting towards her. Oh, Miney! Teddy shouted, following after his new friend. Hermione accepted the boy's attack with an oof and half-hearted protest. Scorpius snuggled close to her and buried his face in her hair. When Teddy pulled back, so did Scorpius. But Scorpius stayed seated in her lap while Teddy went to sit with Harry. Luna came out in a colourful patchwork dress and slowly lowered herself into the remaining chair. The children very seriously took turns filling the women in on the particulars of their playdate. Eventually, though, Teddy wanted to play again, so Scorpius gave Hermione a big hug and the children ran back to their training rooms. The adults continued chatting, mostly catching up on Draco's life to date, since the rest of them knew most of what was to know about the others. When he'd mentioned a mastery in potions, Hermione was impressed. She'd not been bad at potions, but after the polyjuice incident of 92, she'd had a bit of a distaste for brewing. Too much could go wrong with one slip-up. Hermione opened her mouth to ask him for his opinion on an old brewing manuscript the archives had recently acquired, but Harry started speaking before she could organise how she wanted to word the question. Why bother getting a potions mastery when you're loaded? Hermione reached over and hit Harry on the arm. Hard. Don't be rude, Harry. Malfoy, for his part, just laughed and shrugged. Quidditch is rarely a long-term career, and I honestly can't imagine just sitting at home and twiddling my thumbs. If my career ended tomorrow, I wouldn't mind staying home with Scorp until he's off to Hogwarts, but I don't imagine I particularly enjoy being home alone once he's gone. I think that's quite admirable, Draco. I've never been one for idle hands either, Hermione said, blushing a bit. Truly it was impressive, he was so hard-working, and she found it interesting he'd rather take up brewing in his later years than something Quidditch-adjacent, like coaching. She wondered what he'd look like in protective wear for brewing, more volatile potions. She knew it wasn't practical, but a white doctor's lab coat had a pair of glasses appeared in her imagination, 
and she had to look away and take a pull of fear to cool herself down. Perhaps her question on ancient potions research and testing could wait for another time. When they were alone, 